1: Hello
2: there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I'm Johnny. I'm Callum. That was quite an impactful one. Wow. That woke me right up. (laughs) I felt like you needed it. Yeah, a bit, for at uh, 8.50pm yeah, on a d- Sunday. It's a bit groggy, a bit foggy headed today and that was like, what's, what's, what's going on? Where
0: am I? That's interesting actually. So was I and so was someone else I know. I feel like it's the hay fever. I think it might be. I get bad allergies. I think it's been bad the last few days. It's been and really and bad to, to me. I've taken quite a few of us eat hay fever tablets. Me too. Things. So if we sound groggy tonight, that is why evidently. Well, hopefully that woke us up though. Yeah. it be peppy now. I did have a coffee at about 6.30pm
2: which for me... It's wild, quite, man. wow! I mean, it's not wild for you. you no, i You'll drink coffee at three in the morning. I will, but I'm not as bad as my brother who will be drinking coffee probably from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to bed and it won't affect his sleep at all.
0: I, So I'm not someone who's like, I can go to sleep with caffeine, but if I haven't had like a very tiring day and I have a late ca- coffee, I'll be lying in bed at midnight and I'll be like, why can't I sleep tonight? <laughs> oh yeah, I had a coffee at like 6pm. I PM. wonder why. But if I'm tired, it doesn't make much difference. I see. But um, some people, like people that go out for a nice big dinner and have a couple of glasses of wine, da, 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 and then, would you like coffee with your dessert at 9pm? I'm like, that is madness oh, to I me. I enjoy that. Wow. It, I really go in for that. Anyway, this isn't comedians and cars getting coffee. No, we this are is, drifting um, very far from the <laughs> topic here. This is a film podcast, so we will swerve back round into the correct lane. And, um uh, yeah. We do sometimes interact with people, though, out in the real world. We do, indeed. Um, Maybe next time you pour yourself a cup of coffee,
2: you could go onto our socials and interact with us. And what are those socials, Callum? That will be Untitled Film Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can also catch up with the show on YouTube if you're that way inclined. Uh, We asked a question this week uh, in honour of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 making everybody sob their eyes out. That's the big discourse about the film. I asked what film gets you looking like this, and I used a bunch of pictures of very bad acting crying. Including of, Toby Maguire. Uh, twice. <laughs> so I included Toby Maguire, James Van der Beek, uh, Sarah Michelle Gar- um, Geller, Gell- and uh, Claire Danes, and then Toby Maguire again, lucky him. And we did get a response from our. Uh, editor, our producer, Rob Hardstone, and he said the final act of Paddleton, which I actually can't say I've seen, but I had to look it up. I haven't either. Um, But it's got an interesting cast. I I suspect the reason why he watched it, Mark Maron plays a fairly prominent role, it looks like. He's in the main cast. Um, uh, For what could have been easily been a miserable trauma dump of a movie, Paddleton found a way to keep me engaged enough that the final few scenes tore my heart out. So, Johnny, what films got you looking like Tobey Maguire?
0: I was trying to think about this. So I don't often cry through sadness in films unless there's an animal involved. I, If I'm going to cry at a film, it's more out of joy. I'm more like, oh, it's all gone so well for them. When I'm that actually makes me kind of like more likely to well up. But I, I was really struggling to think, like... Yeah, there's a lot of films out there, like with dogs in, like My Dog Skip or that kind of stuff. That that has the whole played. sub-genre
2: of kids' movie of dogs in peril.
0: Yeah, basically any uh, Homeward Bound when the dogs get back at the end and um, re, you know, rejoin everyone. So that's quite a big one. Um, I'm trying to think of there are ones that make me like well up, but as I say, mainly with joy. But I just can't think of them. <laughs> you put me on the spot.
2: Um, how about you, Callum? Well, Other what? than Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 did get me, I have to say. But um I remember as a teenager, did you ever see Bridge to Terabithia? Yeah. I, I
0: know you didn't really like that. know
2: anything about that film. And the first two acts are like a fantasy film, a young adult adventure movie. And then something very tragic happens and they play it absolutely straight down the line. They don't play it with any whimsy at all. Whimsy goes out the window as soon as the tragic thing happens. They deal with it quite realistically for that kind of genre of movie. And because you're not expecting it, it really sideswipes you. I remember just, I was hyperventilating by the end. I just was not expecting it. I think had I gone in sort of knowing, had they put in something in act one to sort of suggest it, but the strength in that book and movie Mm. is that it's it wrong foots you it's a whimsy 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 and oh by the way this thing happened i'm gonna try and not spoil it but um it's a a, this thing happened like what but but why
0: it is quite an impactful moment i think because i'm just not into that genre as a whole it didn't really pull me along in the same way but i can see why it would make someone do that i've just had another thought as well actually documentaries, if they're about the right thing, can make me cry. The most recent one, and not again, I wouldn't quite say ugly crying, but um, the Anthony Bourdain uh, Roadrunner, uh, which I've seen twice and both times made me well up at the end. That is a sad Um,
2: one, considering everything that happened. Exactly.
0: But no, it's... uh, I basically just don't have a soul. (laughs) I can confirm that. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, um, on to the news... Um, I'm going to start this week because I'm going to do my classic old man yells at the
2: sky at streaming services. I deliberately didn't go for this one because I wanted you to have it. I thought I knew (laughs) because you'd sent me a text about it. So I knew that you would go for it. Yeah. Um, so Disney plus like,
0: um, what's it? HBO Max? HBO slash whatever they are now, giant, mega, time-worn, whatever they merged, have to, Disney have decided to do the same thing as that. Where what happens is they decide, well, we're paying too many taxes this year. So what we could do with is taking a big loss, I'm doing air quotes here, by having something which we can show has made no money and that we're writing it off. And by writing it off, it will probably never be seen again. Um, So they've gone down a huge list of things on um, FX, Hulu, Disney+, and gone, "Uh, let's get rid of these things. Um, And it's something in the realms of $1.5 to $1.8 billion worth of content. And there's some quite big things on there. Things like Artemis Fowl, which admittedly was a massive flop, but was fucking expensive. Um, the Sex Pistols TV show, yeah, the Pistol. Sex Pistols, which I quite liked, and I, I would liked be quite. It too. I mean, it's not like you won't be able to, to legally stream it somewhere, but it's quite sad that that they're getting rid of that. Which you know. Um was an interesting piece of Danny Boyle work, and again, may never, ever be seen through official channels again. Um, there was doc excellent documentary called Howard, which I haven't actually seen, which I might have to try and watch in the next week, um, about, about how, Howard Ashman, right? Yeah, he yeah. wrote the, um, the original songs for The Little Mermaid um, and various other things and was a bit of an LGBTQ plus icon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're talking about dumping that, and apparently there's quite a lot of stuff that's... Um, kind of pro-LGBTQ, although apparently Disney may have reversed its decision on that one. Apparently the list isn't finalised yet after there's been a bit of a, a fan uprising. And also people saying, well, The Little Mermaid is coming out in like two weeks and you're getting rid of this. Surely this is going to be quite popular. You could quite easy, <laughs> easily
2: promote it. I exactly. mean, on any bit of uh, Little Mermaid material, you can put it... They always bundle packs together. Let's have a look. Uh, I've got the information about Howard i at the minute, but I just wanted to see... I know Willow is another one. Yeah,
0: Willow is another one, which is again that's only just come out. Yeah, like give I, mean, it a I know go. it wasn't
2: a hit. I it, it came out, it came and it went. But still, I mean, it, in it a like way six for them, ago. in a way for them though, you know, if they bundle up forty
0: documentaries that were made from found footage and cost hundred thousand dollars to make, it's not that big a tax
2: write-off. If They need something, but something to like add-up.
0: Willow that probably cost one hundred twenty million dollars or exactly. something ridiculous to make. If it wasn't massively big. Um... Uh, so there's a lot of stuff like um, the music of Wakanda Forever being taken off which people are saying again um, eh, yeah is a, is a strange one Turner and Hooch which you quite liked I, I think. did I, I go in for that kind
2: of thing that kind of cheesy thing so I, I was a, a bit of a fan The Mighty Ducks Game Changers I like the first season of that but the second season um, I think um, Emilio Estevez revealed himself to be either an anti vax or anti-mask during a production that was, you know, and they suddenly very hastily get rid of him. Like, oh, what happened to Emilio Estevez? Oh, he can't coach us this year. <laughs> Whoops. Like, yeah, throw out all that
0: character development. <laughs> um, this is one that gets my go a bit. The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which I really like. Oh, liked. that's a shame. I really like that. Um, and again, you'd thought it got
2: like two or three seasons. You wouldn't have thought that. And a- it was one of their first mainstay shows. In yeah. fact, on Amazon Prime, when you click Disney Plus, it has a little... Uh, you know logo with a few jeff Goldblum's Jeff Goblin is one of the faces well he might be gone um
0: and yeah they couldn't get rid of shite like um oh, what's the fucking Jeremy renner
2: oh yeah Renov- renovations renovations the most narcissistic wank i've ever seen jeremy renner he's so such a great guy produced by jeremy renner isn't it great how jeremy renner is such a lovely guy i know he's better than jesus
0: Another one that I'm quite sad of because I really enjoyed it, Little Demons, which is. Um, I didn't see that. Albie Plaza and Danny DeVito. Okay. The, about them. Danny DeVito is the devil and has a daughter with Albie Plaza who's a mother, and then the, the daughter realizes on like her 13th birthday that she's the daughter of the devil. That sounds interesting. It's, it's good. It's really good, actually. Um, so, yeah, there's some, some big things in there and things that annoy me that are going. Um, but what annoys me about this again is, and this is a big problem and it's a wider problem with streaming in general is there's just no way to get these things once they've disappeared off of it again. There's no
2: physical media and there's no way that they can kind of go to other streaming services. No,
0: because they're written off. Like if they go to another streaming service, even if they sell it for like 50p, then they have to then... It's not a tax write off anymore. It's not worth it as far as they're concerned. So it's just, and why would you give stuff to your competition as well? Which again is really, it's almost like the days, like in in olden times when people thought, well, once we've shown this episode of Doctor Who once, no one's ever going to watch it again. And that tape is really expensive, so we might as well tape over it. It almost feels like
2: that again now. It's like. Very studio system as well from the 1930s where they locked people into contracts with this studio and no one else. Yeah. But the, literally with some of these, the, some
0: of the stories that were coming out is they almost have to go and destroy the hard drives and stuff with them on. Like they have to just like scorched earth mm-hmm. um, because they can't be... Because if they like, if you write off, so say you're a, a video game company and you've made a million copies of a video game, E.T., uh, and you only sold seven copies of E.T., um, <laughs> and you, you then have to go and write it off and put them in a dump somewhere because otherwise they could say, wow, you can get this tax write-off and then you could sell them in three years' time. Um, and that's what taxmen sound like. Yes, uh, they, they all sound like uh, 1950s grifters. Exactly. See... Anyway, um, <laughs> that's my old man renting at the sky over. It's very sad though. It is very sad and fucking annoying. It is, yeah. And it makes me, for all the wonders of streaming, and I was talking about how annoying watching like linear TV was to someone the other day, this is one area that's really annoying, as is getting old content. Like the other week when we we did um, Down With Love and, and Ry Lane, we wanted to go a bit left foot. We wanted to do a One Car wife film. The fuck can you find any one-car white films online, or even get hold of the DVDs now?
2: So where am I supposed to watch my one-car white films if and I don't a, want a torrent? Any classic movie, like uh, Turner Classic Movies, I think that's the only streaming service for them. And if you don't have that, you yep. can't watch any anything black and white, anything made in the forties or fifties. Just forget about it. It's not going to happen. They're not interested. No, and that's it. And yes, there is a rising kind of niche stuff.
0: That, you know, niche services that maybe have half a million subscribers, and like TCM or. Um, But it's just
2: another service you have to get. It's just another
0: service. I've got like six. Yeah, exactly. To make this bloody podcast. Anyway, so that's really annoying and they can go fuck themselves. They can. Uh, Anyway, Callum, what is your first piece Uh, of Unfortunately, a
2: bit of a sad one as well. Um, Ex-NFL legend turned movie star, uh, Jim Brown has died. You recognise him from Mars Attacks, from The Dirty Dozen um he appeared in several spike lee films he was in any given sunday he was cast a lot in movies about football uh which you know makes sense i liked him in two in doesn't brothers i liked him in um uh, mars attacks Actually, he's I very soft good spot for that in, film. in mars attacks and uh, considering what we're going to be reviewing today i think he was one of the inspirations for one of the characters in one of the movies we're going to be watching uh reviewing today mm-hmm. um so and considering that it's about someone in football and in film I thought it had a nice uh, thematic link considering what we're going to be talking about. So that's a that's a, a sad one, but quite a short one. Um, yeah, so that is a very a sad. He'll he he was a, he'll be very missed. Onto something less sad and see if you can get what,
0: what piece of news it is from what I'm about to do. Bow. Bow, bow. Bow, 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 I believe bow, bow, in bow, miracles. bow,
2: and bow, I can't sing bow, 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 bow,
0: bow, 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 We'll get sued. <laughs> um, what, did you from that, do you, do you think my piece of news is? Monty Python TV show. Monty Python?
2: Monty Python, I meant... The um, Full Monty. The Full Monty, sorry. The Full Monty TV show with most of the original cast. I think only one isn't in it because of uh, some unfortunate uh, Me Too-ish kind is of Tom area. Is in it though? Because I didn't see him in the trailer. I think he is, but he might be a case of guest star Tom Wilkinson.
0: It's a bit so interesting. It kind of reminded me of Spotting 2, where it's like, where are the boys now? Have they sorted their lives out? Are they an alcoholic? Are they da-da-da-da? And it's a bit like that as a TV series, and it has the kind of obligatory, well, the main character has a daughter now, and she's all grown up, etc. cetera. But it, it looks fun. Um, I like those characters. Um, it's still using Sheffield as a really you know interesting background. Expect Disney to delete it in a year. Yeah,
2: probably. So watch it quick, um, because it is on Disney. Um, But no, that's exciting news as well. Yeah, I think so. I think it looks fun. Um, My second piece of news is, of course, it's the Cannes Film Festival at the moment. Um, The opening night film landed with a bit of a meh. uh, Reviews, I mean, beyond the controversy of the director and the lead star, um, the French film with Johnny Depp, the reviews were sort of mm, nothing, kind of nothing burger. Mm. Uh, Right now, the premiere of Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon is happening yeah, and the trailer just came out and uh the trailer looks really good because it's about a murder mystery mm. it's a real life murder mystery about uh, the murder of some native people i believe uh, i can't remember what state it's in now oklahoma uh in oklahoma and uh, the trial that then happens beyond that and i imagine it will mix horror and real life biopic and i think martin scorsese has a He's an underrated as a horror filmmaker because you think of something like Shutter Island or mm. Cape Fear. I like Shutter Island. He's a solid, dependable uh, filmmaker when it comes to horror and he should do it more. And uh, it's happening right now, so the reviews probably won't land until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I'm excited for that one.
0: I think it's going to on Netflix if I'm uh, right. No, it's Apple. Apple, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited actually. I think it is... I really did not like... Um... Uh, What was the last one? The Irishman. I thought it was uh, too much crappy CGI, too long, too all over the place. And I think this is, I quite actually like it when Martin Scorsese does more kind of like. um, Something a bit more left field, but beyond his usual scope. And also maybe a bit simpler, like Shutter Island's not that long and a bit tighter. I I think think sometimes it's going to be long. Is it? I've heard it's about the same
2: length as the Irishman. Oh, maybe I will
0: <laughs> park my... I think The Irishman should have been made into a three-part series. I think I so I think too. maybe this sounds like maybe it should have done. And that would be more interesting. And it's interesting because Scorsese hasn't really done a series since um, Boardwalk Empire, which he was only probably involved in for the first two episodes. I think and so. And then off with a big paycheck. Um, but yeah. Interesting. So, I think
2: that wraps up I think the it does. News. That's the news done. Um and we're going to talk about some movies i suppose we are indeed in those two movies it's going to be around sports to some extent but not the playing of it the backroom negotiations um one of them is one of this these newfangled product movies which are all the rage down in mid-budget land the pretty much the only mid-budget films that get made these days mm-hmm. and uh, the next one is a bit of a Classic, I guess. And, well, it won some awards, but we'll see what people think. Um, and so <laughs> By that's... people, you mean you and me. <laughs> Fuck what anyone else thinks. Uh, so that's Air. And um, the next one is Jerry Maguire. Mm. So uh, we'll kick off with Air. Who wants to take the synopsis?
0: Go on, I'll do it. Because I think I did the old one last week. So there's a guy. And he's looking for another guy. And that guy is going to be some form of basketball player. And he wants to find the next big thing to get his new company that no one's ever heard of, Nike or Nike. Is it Nike or Nike? I think it's Nike. Whichever one. Um, he wants to get them on the world stage. Um, and at, the, at that time, there's the big rival, Adidas or Ardidas or Edidas. My Adidas. Yeah. We're um, really cool. Uh, and. They were going to get the next hot shot, which was Michael Jordan. But will they? But will they manage to get it, eh? Or will someone else swoop in first, <laughs> like Nike, and win the day? And Callum, your phone needs to
2: stop digging. It's not mine. Yeah, it is. <laughs> such a son of a gun. Um, so I thought this movie was quite good. Um, I think... That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ben Affleck is—it's an interesting point in his directorial career because I think when any director, uh, actor turned director, turns to directing, their first few films are going to be those films like I really wish I could make that movie, Mm. but nobody's making that movie. Ah, well, why don't I do it? And so, like uh, his first few films had um, aspirations of awards or um, being a star vehicle for the actor director, like the town. Um, or they were based on books that uh, was really important, like Gone Baby Gone to the director. But once that actor-director realises that the bug hasn't been shaken, like they still want to be an actor-director, this is kind of what movie they make. It's a solid, dependable, comfy chair of a movie. It's, it's a, you know, often the case that uh, actor-directors are very workmanlike, and in this instance, the actor-director is Ben Affleck, And he directs much in the same way as Clint Eastwood or Ron Howard. He puts together a very dependable, solid piece of work and with with excellent technicals, uh, almost invisible editing, except for a few moments of flash. And frankly, a fairly unremarkable story. I did find the first 15 minutes, I found myself saying, oh my God, who cares? But after, uh, you know, I, I got into the comfortableness of the film and it is a comfy chair of a movie and likable actors like the lead is matt damon he's the um he's the the buyer who kind of goes to, from place to place trying to court hotshot young stars not a buyer he's like a a talent scout, scout. um and you, you know you've got jason bateman in there you've got ben affleck himself um and you've got several other people that you like from you know from various places chris tucker is one uh, marlon wayne's surprisingly good in a very small role. And there's really nothing remarkable about the film except for the point when he tries to go and court Michael Jordan's family and his mother is played by Viola Davis. And suddenly the film goes from being tepid but solid to rising a bit in temperature mm-hmm. and suddenly the spice that you need has come in and the, the the spark. Jason Bateman, I think, is the best of the tepid crew. But he's in service of a film that's about a bunch of fairly rich people trying to court a, a sports star. And it's it's fine. It's dependable. It's very solid. And occasionally it spikes up into also, more so. He's also very much just playing Jason Bateman. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: Sure. Yeah, it's basically Marty out of. But then um, again,
2: Matt Damon is playing Matt Damon. I think Ben Affleck is having fun playing. Some yeah, of his he's a, a big, little bit different. A little but... bit different, and he's at the stage in his career and he doesn't need a star vehicle, and he doesn't need to be showy. Oh, sorry, he doesn't need to um, kind of try and make himself look better than he is. So he gets to play a fun, wiggy mm. cameo with a kind of bad, bad costumes and obnoxious dialogue. So he's having fun but it just it, written, it rarely rises above tepid and that's fine for what it is it's doing exactly what it should do and its technicals are commendable for how invisible they are and i always like that uh, especially how the 1980s isn't over-depicted as being big hair and mm. uh, synth and you just see a bunch of kind of really naff cars or a re- bunch of really naff suits and otherwise it's fine naff sunglasses yeah exactly um but yeah it's it's solid and i think given the point in Ben Affleck's career, career that he's in, this is probably what the majority of his output, except when he occasionally wants to win an Oscar, wants a star vehicle, is going to look like. Mm. Solid, dependable chairs, comfy chairs of movies.
0: I must think, because obviously I think this is maybe, is it his fourth or his fifth? This his fifth. Fifth. And the last one was that one with him, it was like a, Live by night 40s gangster movie, yeah, and that was complete, complete flop, and not meant to be very good. And I wonder if he was this is him kind of going, Right, let's prove I can be a Ron Howard, yeah, exactly. It's very Ron Howard, it's very kind of. He was given a script, the script's okay, it's it doesn't blow anyone out of the water. He's got a bunch of probably his mates, um, to come and act in it, and they all do a solid job. Um, with Viola Davis being maybe the, the, the slightly the best thing in it. Um, good sets, well put together, well edited. You can't really like fault it from like a technical point, like you say, like a technical point of view. It's, oh, it's perfect. Technically, it's just it's, done It, it really, really is well.
2: invisible. And it
0: shows him as a really good director. And if someone can give him an Oscar-worthy script he will win an Oscar, which I suppose he proved with Argo, but I don't think Argo is an Oscar-worthy script, but that's another story yeah. um, for another day. But I, you know, I think it's kind of, it shows him back on form. I think it's infinitely watchable. Um, I think it's, you know, he's it, it, enjoy- I quite like this kind of movie, like I like Moneyball and I like, you know, I, I like these kinds well, Tetris kind of, even the other day. Uh, exactly, yeah, a it's a very Tetris. Ago. I'm quite excited for Blackberry. I think that looks quite fun. I quite like this kind of movie. I'm Me a bit of a businessy person as well. Like I like kind of business stuff. And it's Kind of like it merges a bit of business, a bit of biopic, a bit of sports. So you've got a bit of everything in there, a bit of history. Um, but yeah, it is it's tepid. Like the, the script is a three out of five, but I think the direction's better than a three out of five. Oh, the direction's absolutely a, a
2: four and a half out of five, you know. Oh, the production is absolutely so. I mean, Ben Affleck has proved his mettle mm-hmm. in the same way that Clint Eastwood or, or Ron Howard can really cobbled together um that kind of filmmaking that well like i said invisible is sort Mm -hmm. of the word of the day you really don't notice it with one exception and i want to know your opinion because this has divided people you never see michael jordan and the reasoning behind that according to interviews was that they they saw him such a kind of otherworldly ethereal take you out of it take you out of the film to see some actor so you always see it from the back of his head or you'll see someone look to the left and say, what do you think, Michael? And I don't he'll think be does he doesn't even speak. Shot. He just grunts, doesn't he? Grunts even. until the end when they say, Michael? and Yeah, you know, yeah. The and we part, but again, you don't see it, yeah. I thought that was a bad decision. I, I was taken out of it by the fact that it's like, only see the back of his head. It reminded me of uh, in religious education classes in school, wherever you watched uh, uh, movies about Muhammad. And of course, you know, you can't depict um, uh, the prophet's. So they would always have uh, some cameraman nodding from the point of view. And that way it was a way to get around it. And, mm. the, and it, just, it was just awkward. It was the one bit that wasn't invisible and it had a very big look at me sign. Inadvertently, but it, a big sign was hung around the neck of this thing. It's albatross around this film's neck, I thought. Uh, see, I
0: probably come from the other point of view. I actually think it works because... I think, A, would who would you get to play Michael Jordan? And B, it would be such a tiny role. Because actually, I, well, maybe it's completely factually inaccurate, but from the way the film came across, he had very little to do with it, but, other than that he he wanted Adidas because they were the cool kids. Exactly,
2: and that's the thing. They could have just not had him in there and said, like, oh, Michael's, um, you know, he, he's trusted my uh, the business to me. Mm. Uh, the the mum can do it. You know? But I
0: don't think that was real. No, I think the but... reality is he was in those meetings but he was like a silent partner. So that's where I kind well, of yeah, think it works. I, yeah. I think you could see that, because they could have gone down the route of getting some actor and then digitally trying to make him look like Michael Jordan. Oh, that would have been even more cringe. It's, it's a hard one. Um, and if it was, yeah, obviously if it was a film about Michael Jordan, then obviously you'd need to have an actor playing it. But it wasn't. It was a film about Nike selling a shoe to Michael Jordan or selling a, you know, a range of shoes to Michael Jordan. Uh, and Michael Jordan making billions and billions and billions of dollars out of the, those shoes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. No, it's... Uh, I don't mind it. I don't think it... I don't think I see how else they would have done it. They, but I do get what you mean. I it, did. It did make me think, oh, they're not showing... Because I didn't know this before I watched the film. Like, oh, they're purposely not showing MJ. They're
2: purposely not showing MJ. Um, not Mary Jane from <laughs> Okay, so that wasn't it was clear. a. There was kind of no way that they had to do something that was, if not this, then something else. Mm. I mean, they were painting it into a corner just by how famous Michael Jordan yeah. is. Uh, So there was no decision they could have made here that wouldn't have split people, I think. Because
0: he must be, like, up there with, say, Tiger Woods and... Oh, yeah, absolutely. um, He's one of of the greats. One of of the few kind of three or four sportsmen that, you know... That
2: everybody in the world knows. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So it is hard. It is hard. And, yeah, like I say, it'd be different if it was a movie about MJ, but it's not, so... Um, Yeah. There's a lot of famous people called MJ. Michael Jackson, Michael <laughs> yeah. Jordan. Good, good observation. And uh, Mary Jane from Spider-Man. So that's uh, that's a three.
2: Um, well, that's two, technically. Wow, well, if you say so.
0: <laughs> anyway, I think that probably wraps up our review of that. Yes, Unless I think so. I mean, I,
2: I think that's the thing with these movies, where they are solids. There's not really a great deal to say, other than, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> well, it's a, yeah. A yeah. bit better than all right. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho.
1: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST. I buy that for a dollar. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh I you know i haven't actually said that in in about a month now.
0: i know so i because thought...
2: i was getting a bit tired of being called out on it so but now <laughs> it's sort of it's become like a catchphrase to what like to robocop yeah yeah well not to robocop no no Adver. to the, the advert yeah, yeah, that's yeah, constantly yeah, yeah, played yeah. in robocop and which they awkwardly put in in have you seen the remake no i haven't at one point then you know they've they've cobbled together the new robocop and Jay Barishale's character says, wow, that's really cool. I'd buy that for a dollar. And it's like, ooh, <laughs> no. slipping that in. It's like
0: when they did the Alien versus Predator and there's a scene where one of the characters just goes, everybody, get to the chopper.
2: Yeah. And it's like, oh. oh Arnold Schwarzenegger's entire no. back half of his career <laughs> is having films where people awkwardly slip in, get to the chopper. Yeah. The Expendables movies are basically all, get to the chopper, 15 yeah. times. But, you know, he's making money, so who cares?
0: Yeah. actually, that's something that's coming out soon that I'm interested in. Uh, Netflix is doing a big documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, which yes. Which looks they quite are. good. It's coming out early June. It must contrast with. with
2: um, he's got a TV show on Netflix as well coming out soon, I think. Well, maybe it is a TV show, not a film. Well, the, the, it might, I think there is both. Oh. So I think they must be doing one to cash in on the other. It'd be interesting because he's had an interesting life, that man. He has. Anyway. Anyway. On to. The next film. The next film, which, Callum, you are going to take away and tell us about. Yes. So, uh, Jerry Maguire, written and directed by Cameron Crowe in 1996. Uh, it was sort of the big film. He'd had some films which they, they'd they been successful, like Say Anything and things like that. But this was his big steamroller Someone to Some would say Hollywood. his Jerry Maguire moment. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's um, semi-autobiographical in that way, where he just switches out. Uh, filmmaker for sports agent but yes uh, Tom Cruise plays Jerry Maguire a sports agent who in the middle of the night one night just has a massive panic attack he, he he's a great sports agent he he knows the formula for getting um you know he has this monologue at the start about I know how to pick people who are going to be destined for greatness but he has this massive panic attack and so in the middle of the night he writes this manifesto and In the morning, in his agency, he uh, prints it. He's printed out, like, 200 copies, and he puts one in everybody's, um, you know, kind of um, pigeonhole, and and everybody thinks, this guy's gone off his rocker. He's lost it. And so his uh, boss, played by uh, Jay Moore, fires him, and... um, suddenly there's a sparring match between the two where they have to sc- scrabble to get as many agents. So Jay Moore is trying to poach all of Jerry, clients. Ma- all of Jerry Maguire's um, clients. And Jerry Maguire at that time is only able to retain two. Like He has this one played by um, uh, Jerry something else, actually. Um, Jerry O'Connell, uh, who's like the big dream football player. Everybody wants this guy. And the one who's a bit more of a left field choice played by Cuba Gooding Jr. in his his breakout role as well, Mm -hmm. um, Rod Tidwell. And eventually he even loses Jerry O'Connell's character. And so he decides, look, I'm going to go out on my own. Uh, I've got this one client and who's with me? No one comes except for the uh, kind of lowly desk worker played by Renee Zellweger, Dorothy Boyd. And from that, two dual relationships are starting to grow firstly his friendship with rod tidwell this football player who is got a huge chip on his shoulder and is flinty he has a loving home life and family life but on the football field he is just completely in his head and angry and kind of can't get out of his own way and a budding romantic relationship with his one and only employee in his uh new agency um this uh, dorothy character and a relationship with her son as well so Johnny, what did you think of Jerry Maguire? Not as good as I remember. Funny, I'm kind of
0: the opposite. Oh, interesting. So it's going to get (laughs) interesting. (laughs) Um, I remember really, really liking it, and I haven't probably seen it for like seven, eight years. And I think it's aged really poorly. I think it feels... I think it has some of the worst excesses of Cameron Crowe in that it's like so much schmaltz. It's just schmaltz out of every... Fucking it is sugary (laughs) um and i like a bit of spice with my sugar and i just don't think there's enough spice in it i really like cuba gooding jr and i really like his character and i really like i quite and i like jerry's relationship with him i just don't at all buy the relationship with um renee zelweger i just don't buy it and i think i did before um I think Tom Cruise is good he's acting his heart out although he does do the creepy smile thing a bit too much he is very reptilian particularly with the kid like and I I find the kid annoying oh uh, Jonathan Lipnicki yeah yeah <laughs> remember him I think he's a bit annoying um so I I don't say like it's a good film it's it's a re it's well written it's if you haven't seen it before like i go watch it but i didn't seem, it didn't hang together to me like I thought it, it did before. And I just think, I think it just, it feels like very 90s. I think if you made that film today, it'd have to have a bit more spice to it. And I think that's what I want from a film. And even the music was a bit, was a bit 90s and things. Like Almost Famous has got a lot more, a bit more vinegar in its veins than I suppose than because has. that's a um,
2: biographical tale about his childhood. Yeah,
0: know? exactly. Which is more interesting. This
2: is a bit more, and it, yeah almost wish fulfillment. Like, you know, you can swap Cameron Crowe for Jerry Maguire Mm -hmm. and it's kind of his, they're both kind of rising at a similar pace. But one is kind of like, I wish I was this cool.
0: Yeah. And I think that's it. And I think I just don't... And also so much happens in such a short space of time because it happens over one season, one football season. Yeah. And the whole thing is like, again, I don't want to give too much away, but... Basically, he manages to get married and then a near enough divorce in a year. It just seems all a bit weird. Like, the pacing's weird. I think I just... I really enjoy the the story of Jerry Maguire being Jerry Maguire, and I just don't buy the love interest. I'm not the biggest Renee Zellweger fan. I never have been. And I think in this, I'm not... I like her sister a lot more. I think I find her a little bit annoying in this.
2: Um, Yeah. (laughs) Funnily enough, I don't actually disagree with anything you said, and I can actually add one on top of that. That it is creepy that um, he, the romantic relationship is with an employee when yeah, he's a like Yeah, I boss. thought
0: that we just mentioned a couple of times, but it's like just it's, mentioning it it's doesn't very make it brushed okay. Off. Yeah, um,
2: but funnily enough, I just maybe because I like that sort of naughty Cameron Crowe over-talking sort of thing. Um, he, he writes screenplays in a way where everybody talks like an American screenwriter. Mm. And, but It's quite Aaron Sorkin. But very quite Aaron Sorkin, Sorkin, Sorkin Kevin Smith, they all kind of have, good writers have this flaw where everybody talks. Problem is, I kind of am a sucker for that kind of thing. I, I sort of like that thing on a metatextual level where it's not the film that's winning me over. It's more like, oh, look at that. Look at how he writ- wrote that scene. Oh, look at that! And I found myself a lot of times really enjoying the way that he would write a scene, like it's fairly simple stuff, like he's falling in love, he's making a friend. But I liked sort of the over kind of over divulged dialogue, yeah, the over, the, and over explain basically just over explaining
0: to each other, yeah. Like, yeah, every conscious thought they have has to come out of their mouths. about that,
2: and I think the magic he found here that he tried again with Aloha about 10 years, no, 15 years later. Did you see Aloha? <laughs> yeah, but it's similar. Aloha and this is similarly structured. About 20 years later. Possibly. Um. Uh, and they're, they're very similarly structured films. They're, they're both um about like a, a very obnoxious guy and there's a re- romantic relationship. There's a workplace comedy. There's a this, there's a that, there's the other. I think with this film, it just, for one reason or another, it just sort of worked for me. I didn't find that the balance was too off, except I actually agree that the romantic relationship was uh, less convincing. But the workplace comedy and the um, the first half of the romantic relationship works enough for me. But the second half, basically, once they got married, that it stopped working for me pretty cold. But even then, I sort of it's not losing me, and it should. And I know these things are flaws. Um, he's his biggest influence for this film is um both uh, the films of Billy Wilder but especially The Apartment which is another film where it's not quite a romantic comedy it's not quite quite a workplace comedy it's not quite a this film it's not quite a that film it's four films but usually we complain about that kind of thing we'll say uh, <laughs> bloody hell it's four films at once but in this time I find myself thinking yeah it's four pretty good movies that i'm enjoying watching in tandem the other one is um broadcast news because james l brooks is a producer on this film of course it's not nearly as good as either of those but i can see some of the spark that's similar to billy wilder and james l brooks present here it's not quite as big i i like tom cruise i think the reptilian superficial charm thing works here because he's playing a character who is absolutely superficially charming and, slimy, and yeah. slimy um cuba gooding jr is a light bulb in a dark room he's so charming he really is he's not my favorite oscar nominee of that year because 96 was a competitive year with edward mm-hmm. norton and william h macy and fargo i would have gone for either of those two over him but you know i'm not i'm not not happy about his win you know if they had to go for the wrong choice Make it be him.
0: Yeah, at least it's fun and flashy. Exactly. And think, it, it, it Not it like annoying very, or pious or pretentious. Exactly.
2: It's very flashy, but it's it's a very fun to watch as well. And you are biting your nails when something happens in the last act involving football and possibly you know. Um if only that was the very end of the film. But then of course they had to wrap up the romantic relationship and you know, that's where you get you had me at hello and um and you can Which see, is a good line. It is a good line, and you can see there again Billy Wilder, the ghost of Billy Wilder, because um, he's trying to get a line as good as "shut up and deal" or "nobody's perfect." You know, Billy Wilder was very good at writing final lines, mm. and he's really you he could see again metatextual and metatextually enjoying the movie rather than enjoying the movie. Uh, You can hear Cameron Crowe going, I need a good final line. I need a line. And I kind of like seeing the fingerprints there of him. And so I kind of likes the film despite itself in a lot of ways (laughs) because of the, um, you you can see the presence of Cameron Crowe working his his magic, I guess. I think that's the thing. I think actually
0: it is... It's very of its time, so it's very '90s. But it is like one of those '90s scripts that's very well done, very yes. well put together. But because it's so well put together, you can almost see the cogs. It's not going back to what we talk about with Air, although not so much from a writing point of view. But Air felt very seamless, and very smooth, and I almost feel like you can feel this film shift gears. Like right, oh, there's nothing now we're in here. sporting <laughs> agent. Now we're in love, romantic comedy. Yeah now we're going to prove to you that this is a nice guy because he's nice to a kid. And now he's going to win over the sister. Uh, you know, yeah. literally you can feel it literally changing up and going, right, now we need this piece of the puzzle. And it's a nice, when you look at it, it's a nice puzzle. It's a nice puzzle. But you can always see, see, a, see the Yeah, and, yeah. I, and again, that kind of, and they're not, and I could forgive that if I was like, I really am enamored by...
2: But the problem is, that I only want to watch about half of the pieces. And I think I have to put my hat forward that I am a screenwriting nerd. I, I do so in my casual time. I've written some short films, and I read screenplays in my spare time. Sometimes when I'm bored. So when I see a screenplay being a screenplay <laughs> on the screen with the pages literally being flicked over, I kind of I go, "Oh, cool! I like this." Um, but I know it shouldn't happen on a kind of on objectively i know this shouldn't i shouldn't be seeing the pages being mm. flicked over but as a nerd of that thing i find myself going oh good this is a callum film it's actually it's almost the same problem i have with some chris nolan films
0: though the dialogue is better than a chris nolan oh, dialog yes, i'll yes, give it that yes, much yes. but but you can go like right now we insert the uh the set piece
2: yes very much. Like so. this,
0: now we insert the child into the love lego story. blocks yeah. being placed down piece by piece um so yeah anyway any more to say on that uh, no no I don't think so i think that's that's it for me Well I think that means it's time to wrap up this episode
2: of our podcast and Callum, what did you think of air? I think we, you summed it up quite well it's, it's a six out of ten script with eight out of ten production it's very solidly put put together it's one only one bit distracted me. But otherwise it's seamless and it's invisible. It's kind of, if you want to learn how to make a film that isn't all flash and no trousers and watch a film that is no flash and no trousers but still kind of entertaining, uh, this is a pretty good one. So I think seven overall. Yeah, well, I was thinking exactly
0: the same number. I think it it's enjoyable enough for script, really well put together and it's it's like watching a load of actors I quite like. So, yeah, really nice and watchable but nothing to be like, wow, about. And Callum, that also brings us to Jari McGuire. What do you think of Jari
2: Um Clunky, um, clearly not invisible, but <laughs> unfortunately for sort of a nerd of this kind of thing, and it's visible in all the ways that I like it being visible. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way, I like a you know an early Kevin Smith script before he went not Kevin Smithy anymore, um, and because of that. 8 out of 10, because I like seeing the pieces of the puzzle being put down. But I know that shouldn't, objectively, that shouldn't <laughs> ha- be happening. I like Cuba going junior. I think people that like
0: Schmaltzy would like it. So I had to take that into account. I think everyone else is serviceable. Actually, no, Tom Cruise is above serviceable, but everyone else is serviceable. Um, and it is, you know, there are some good lines that have me at hello. It, you know, it is, it is fairly well put together. But in the process, you can see the panel gaps between between uh, the bits of story. So I'm going to give it a seven as well. I think it, nice. it's, almost sim- it's almost like a reverse. It's a better script, but not as well directed, whereas the other way around, so yeah, I think a seven out of ten. So, I think that's fair. Uh, that means this week we are giving Air a seven out of ten, and we are giving Jerry Maguire a seven and a half out of ten. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening again this week. Uh, don't forget to find us on our social medias, which are untitled film podcast on facebook and instagram and youtube and don't forget to go and answer our questions comment like subscribe do all these things it always helps us out and just want to say thank you very much for listening and bye and show me the money show me the money